plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star. Are you are the party starts now? You bet the party is starting. Hello, power partners. This is the informational playground. We are Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and we are under the species of Be the Star You Are charity, which strives to increase literacy and positive media messages. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I am your host for the next hour of power, and I want you to uh, start believing that you are the star that you were born to be, and I want you to live your dreams because we are all the writers, producers, directors, and stars, of course, of our own lives. So the miracle moment for today is um, is brought to you by Be the Star You Are charity. Please visit the website at bethestaryouare.org. We are still working on disaster relief, and this is actually a year-round project that we do because, unfortunately, we seem to be living in a time where there are more natural disasters, and probably a lot of that is man-made. So make uh, a donation, bethestaryouare.org. And this was by uh, Alfred D'Souza. And he says, for a long time, it had seemed to me that life was about to begin, real life. But there was always some obstacle in the way, something to be, something to go through first, some unfinished business, time still to be served, a debt to be paid, and then life would begin. At last, it dawned on me that these obstacles were my life and how true that is. And that is bringing me to what our show is going to be about today because we have a really exciting show coming up in segment two. You're going to meet Mark Lesser, who is the author of Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. And he is really um, grounded in compassion and empathy and in his expertise in being a mindful leader. He has uh, worked um, leading seminars at Google and Genentech and Kaiser and many more places as well as being a part of a Zen monastery where he was a Zen teacher and uh, ran the kitchen. So it's going to be quite interesting to be talking with him. He's a former director of Tassajara, the Zen Mountain Center that I'm sure that you have heard about. And he's the author of other books, Less, Accomplishing More by Doing Less, and Know Yourself, Forget Yourself. So Mark Lesser will be coming up in segment two. You want to stay tuned. You do not want to miss that. We're also uh, talking about fire. You might have heard about this, but I'm not talking about like a, a forest fire. I'm talking about financial independence, retire early, because money is connected to the quality of life. And we will see how people actually are increasing their finances by frugal living as they save and invest with the goal of early retirement. 
But what I am, everyone knows that I am just a nature girl. Gardening is and being outside in nature is, is just my life. I wouldn't be able to breathe if I couldn't be outside every day. In fact, this morning before I came to work, I spent four hours up in the barnyard and in the pigsty cleaning everything out. I was mucking the barnyard and it actually felt so great because my animals are really happy now. They have all new hay and bedding and everything's nice and clean. And we've just had a lot of rain here in California. So the barn had gotten pretty messy. And most people wouldn't like doing that. But for me, I believe in reaping what you sow. And I want my animals to be happy. And I want a lot of fresh eggs. So <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll be coming. Charles Reed said, sow a thought, reap a word, sow a word, reap a deed, sow a deed, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, and sow a character and you reap your destiny. And this is something I really have always lived by. When I grew up, there weren't any preschools or kindergartens. And so until I started first grade, my days were really spent mostly outside in the dirt, playing or helping my parents with the farming and ranching chores. And I I, I just attribute so much of my horticultural acumen to those early years when a child's brain is like a sponge, you know, soaking up that information that's going to be useful later in life. And of course, I didn't realize then how important nature would be to me today. It was just something that was when it, when I was living it. And it's interesting how much I love reading today. And of course, I've founded a charity that's dedicated to books and literacy and reading. And I'm surrounded by thousands of books all the time because I didn't even learn to read until age seven when I entered first grade because there weren't any preschools and there weren't any kindergartens. And since I was the eldest in the family, there wasn't anybody else really to teach me that. Uh, So again, my skills were in the outdoors. But once I was introduced to that magic of literacy, I became obsessed with books. And I started collecting uh, quotes. I love soulful quotes and poems. And it became a real passion of mine, and which I do to this day. I still have handwritten notebooks filled with my favorite scribbles. And this is why every single week on Star Style Be the Star we, You Are, we have a miracle moment, which is a favorite quote of mine. I wrote a book called Miracle Moments, which was actually for my television show to give as a gift to my crew because they were just words to live by, and uh, we still use all those. And then, of course, in Express Yourself Teen Radio, the teens normally start off the show with some kind of quote that will anchor the theme of the show. Well, the other day, I decided to reread things that I've been saving for years, and I wasn't surprised to learn that uh, I have always leaned towards very positive, uplifting, life-changing, and lofty adages, the majority of which were oriented towards nature. And if you have read any of my Digging Deep with Cynthia Bryan, which are the articles that I write for the newspaper, I've been doing that since 2008, so it's a lot of years now, you may notice that I also begin all of my columns with a quote to anchor that theme of the article, because I really believe That quotes have the power to help us think clearly while reframing events that may be happening in our lives. And in all the eight books that I've written to date, I always have quotes scattered throughout them. 
So this is uh, one of my favorite quotes. I, the source is unknown, and I believe that you will find it as enlightening as I do because it just really helps um, anchor us to who we are and helps us create a new leaf, if you want to say, in our own life because it is just called what you sow, you will reap. So if you plant honesty, you'll reap trust. If you plant goodness, you'll reap friends. If you plant humility, you'll reap greatness. If you plant perseverance, you'll reap victory. If you plant consideration, you will reap harmony. If you plant hard work, you'll reap success. If you plant forgiveness, you'll reap reconciliation. Now, if you plant openness, you're going to reap intimacy. If you plant patience, you'll reap improvements. If you plant faith, you'll reap miracles. But if you plant dishonesty, you're going to reap distrust. If you plant selfishness, you will reap loneliness. If you plant pride, you will reap destruction. If you plant envy, you'll reap trouble. If you plant laziness, you will reap stagnation. If you plant bitterness, you will reap isolation. If you plant greed you will reap loss. If you plant gossip, you will reap more loss and you'll reap enemies. And if you plant worries, you're going to reap wrinkles. (laughs) So I don't think that we want any more wrinkles and I don't think we want enemies and I don't think we want loss. So as gardeners of life, we need to be careful about what it is that we plant now in our world because it will determine what we're going to reap tomorrow. And so it's so important to think about the, you know, these positive thoughts and carefully every day live with empathy and compassion and listening skills and understanding and try to literally walk in someone else's shoes. Now, getting back to nature, no wonder that we like to be surrounded by trees and beautiful landscaping, because if you want to live longer, plant a tree that you love. I mean, science backs up what we innately know, that when we are near trees, we become less stressed, we improve focus, we increase our feelings of well-being, we radiate joy. And these are times right now when we need to radiate joy and find joy in all the things that we are doing. So at this time of year, it's a great time to buy bare root trees and shrubs. Uh, Keep the roots wet until you dig your holes and you plant your tree. I know I'm often asked what is my favorite flower or, or tree or bush or whatever. And of course, I don't have a definitive answer because there's no way I could ever Uh, choose a favorite child, right? That would be impossible. So uh, just go with what you love. Just go with what you love. And just know that we cannot control Mother Nature, but we can control how we garden. So prepare your garden to embrace storms and excess rainfall because that's going to control runoff and erosion damage during this time of winter when we have snow and rain and all kinds of things. We need, we definitely need the rainwater to soak into our soil and to recharge our groundwater and stormwater runoff is a pollutant though. So you might want to add a fountain, a pond, a reflection pool or other water feature that's going to save water while enhancing the beauty of your landscape. Well, whatever you do, whatever you do in life, just remember that what you want to do is 
you want to sow something that you're going to want to root. So again, plant that honesty and reap that trust. Plant hard work and reap success and plant forgiveness and reap reconciliation. And my favorite of all is planting openness and reaping intimacy. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I am very excited about our guests coming up for seven practices of a mindful leader. Mark Lesser is coming right on with us. So please turn up the volume, grab a cup of tea, and get ready to breathe. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is called... Well, my gratitude to all of you for staying with us. As always, I love to bring the pioneers on the planet, people who are really making a difference for the better for all of us who live on this beautiful place that we call Earth. Mark Lesser is with me. He is the author of a few books, but his newest book is called Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. He is a CEO, a Zen teacher, author. He leads trainings and talks worldwide. And most of all, it is about mindfulness and emotional intelligent programs that he is involved with, including places like Google and Genentech and Kaiser. So we're going to be talking about mindfulness and how to become a mindful leader. Welcome, Mark, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here. Well, it's really, I'm so excited. I loved your book. I have it so marked up that I know we're not going to get to all the exciting things in it. But before we get going, I was just so fascinated with your time of being a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center, and then you were the director of Tassajara, um, the Zen Mountain Center, and then you led the whole kitchen 
um, for the uh, the Zen Center. Tell us about this time and your practice. Yeah, this was a, you know, it's interesting. It was a very, uh, very powerful and special time. It was, um, for me, it was in my 20s. I, I, I walked into the Zen Center when I was 22 and I stayed for, for 10 years. And, and it was an amazing time. I think it was um, uh, a lot of um, Ivy League dropouts. And, yes. And very, I think, very smart, very sincere people who really wanted to, to practice for real. We're really um, interested in, in going deep in, in whatever this, you know, to me, you know, Zen, Zen practice is really the practice of waking up, of discovering, well, what, is it, what does it mean to be a full, thriving human being uh, capable of, of helping others? And it was very much living in a community. Uh, there was a good deal of discipline. There was a lot, a lot of meditation practice. Work and work was a, a, a major part of the practice, which, so it was really beautiful, the the going back and forth from being in uh, meditation practice, this uh, kind of practice of silence and self-discovery, and then going right into whether it might have been the, the kitchen or some, some other workplaces. But um, I got to study with a lot of teachers. I got to study, you know, really study the uh, philosophy and history of Zen. But mostly it was kind of, I felt like it was a really a well-rounded, in-depth Grow, growing up for me, it was a, in, in retrospect, um, it was really fund, fundamental years of spending that time at the Zen Center. And then, uh, and then oddly enough, uh, going right from there to business school, to business a, school. MBA oh. degree. Yeah. Well, you know, I was so touched by one of the chapters in your, in your book when you were talking about your father's uh, death on his deathbed mm-hmm. and how he was so disappointed in you because you dropped out of school and you went to this monastery, but how the reconciliation came on the deathbed and how proud he was of you mm-hmm. and what he said to you and whatever it is that you're doing, Mark, keep doing it. Yeah, uh, that that I mean, it I, I, I it just touched me deeply because that was such a profound moment. Mm. Yeah, that was um, a real life changer for me in many ways. That my, my father, I think, was I, I don't I don't think I even knew how angry and disappointed he was that I dropped out of college and went to the Zen Center, which was completely you know I understand now you know so outside of his understanding and outside of the the great, you know, optimistic wishes that he had for me. And this was, this just was just hard for him to fathom. Mm-hmm. But, of then, course. but then that, um, uh, yeah, to go back and really meet him when he was, when he was dying. And, and I had a, I had a tremendous support system at the Zen Center, which was able to help me both in work my way through the complications of the you know the the medical system, and also helped me to uh, have real conversation with him about what was what was happening and what what was possible. And yeah, it was it was um, amazing amazing time in my my life. You know, I the you I, you have seven practices, and we're going to get to those. But one of the practices is you know when you're talking about really feeling the pain. I what hit me in that chapter too is. 
it's very difficult for people sometimes to to uh, understand pain unless they have been through it in mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. and then realize how we grow from it mm-hmm. and and what a change i mean it like you had that same kind of metamorphosis with this uh, experience with your dad you went in with all these tools not even knowing that those tools were going to be so helpful and it's actually such a gift to be there at the death of someone you really love yeah and even to unpack that more you know my uh, uh, my mother and other family members were um, avoiding what was painful again the the whole their sense was let's not right. talk about let's not talk about what's what's actually happening. happening and so for me to come in and be able to uh actually speak, discuss it yeah and say and, it, and know, truthfully yeah yeah that's right and you know and always especially in the situation around this was a you know pretty unique situation to be with someone who has been you know diagnosed as having you know uh cancer and not having long to live to to be able to say that at the same time to always hold out hope but to be able to speak the truth and say mm-hmm. you know you're it looks it looks like it looks like you're pretty ill and probably mm-hmm. don't have don't have long long to live and how um it was amazing to me how uh and I don't I don't know how, if I even wrote about this in the book but but my father was a a pretty introverted you know unemotional person most of his life and and at hearing at at me meeting him that way and talking about how short his life probably was, he suddenly came alive in a way that I had never seen him. And he asked me to hand him the telephone and he wanted just to reach out and call everyone that he was close to and express mm. his love. So I think there's there's something about that connection between actually being, you know, real about the shortness of our life, being real about the pain, and what what comes is this tremendous feeling of right. love and connection. You know, I think it's really normal for when someone is dying that you're close to. So many people fear that. I mean, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be near it. They don't know what to say. And this is why that fourth practice and fifth practice of yours, connect to your pain and connect to the pain of others, it it just resonates with me. My father died in my arms as well, and I did similar to you. I mean, I just was I actually had this gut feeling of what day he would die, and I, I told him, and but I told him I'd be there with him until the very last breath, and um, it was it was an amazing it was it was it was amazing grace. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to your book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, because besides your Zen experience, which really has been the foundation for everything that you're doing in life today. Um, even though, of course, you went to business school and you got all the degrees and all of that, it really comes back to this practice of mindfulness and from the the breaths that you took and from what you really experienced and learned and the connections and collaborations and caring that you did with the Zen Center. So the seven practices are love the work, do the work, don't be an expert, connect to your pain, connect to the pain of others, depend on others, and keep making it simple. And these are things that you've taught to many corporations and now through your own company. Why don't we elaborate on 
how how these came about because I uh, I also loved it that it you know when you invited your friend to come and and speak and you didn't tell him what and he just wrote these down and then you took them and ran with them and it's they're amazing <laughs> yeah I you know it's interesting even um, I have to say I, I love. I love hearing someone else, you know, uh, read them the way you just did, because there's a certain, um, they're they're very poetic. There's something beautiful to me about them, and at the same time, I think they're also quite practical, and they're meant to be, they're meant to be both, uh, you know, aspirational and also something that we can uh, live with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what you're referring to the the story of I was. Um, I was the CEO at the time of the a, a nonprofit called the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, which which I helped create, and it was based on a mindfulness and emotional intelligence program that I helped create inside of Google some time ago, and this was our first attempt to train a group of Google engineers, and there were a few non-engineers, but mostly engineers, to to teach mindfulness, and and the question was, how do you do that? And and I decided. Uh, that one of the things I wanted to do was bring in my friend, my good friend, Zen teacher and poet Norman Fisher, and and there we were, and and I recognized that no one had made it really clear exactly what Norman what was he was going to do, <laughs> and and I looked uh, someone else someone else had created the agenda for the day, and I I noticed I looked at the agenda at, just as we were starting, and it said the next thing up was you know Norman gives talk on mindfulness, and I I very you know, just stealthily put this piece of paper in front of Norman and pointed to him. And he just got out a pen and a piece of paper and wrote down these seven practices and proceeded to give what I thought was a, a really wonderful talk on, on each of these seven practices. And and I immediately, um, I, I actually, the next day, I... Um, I wrote them up and put them on everyone's desk of the the 20 or so employees who were working at Search Inside Yourself at the time, and I started speaking about them and writing about them. And then a few years later, I I thought, this is turning into a book, and I'm feeling funny about this. I better run this by my friend Norman, and I called Norman. And of course, uh, Norman said, what seven practices? Exactly. That's what I was like. He didn't even remember. It was just like, just it just came from him. Yeah. Yeah, and he thought they were brilliant, though. When you said it, well, <laughs> yeah. that's what I liked. <laughs> yeah, he said those are those are those are really good. Those are good. Send me a copy, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I, to me, that was like the essence of a mindful leader. I mean, really, didn't don't you think? I mean, he, it's, it's, he just it, sat it, down there and wrote them, and it just it it just worked. Yeah. Well, it's like the, um, I think the third practice, the don't be an expert. If you're not an expert, you have tremendous flexibility to be able to come up with things on the spot when you need to be. I think that's part of, you know, being an expert would have been, oh, let me, you know, let me think about this or let me consult with the books or I need time to prepare. This is no, no. Okay. Here's, here's, here's what, um, and also I think, you know, it's funny how, uh, uh, to me, and, and interesting, this example, you know, this was someone who embodies these practices and has and has studied and has lived these practices. So this is not just coming off the top of his head. This is something that comes from your own life. And so that's what a, I mean. It was yeah. like this was innate in him. This is yeah. really the way he lived. So this is what he could share. That's right. That's right. And I think at that moment when he 
the question in his mind was, what are the core values to be able to be a mindfulness teacher? What do you need to embody? And he came up with these seven practices. And to me, what's, one of the things that's beautiful is that, again, you know, we use these words like mindfulness and like Zen and leadership and emotional intelligence. It's, it's all to me about like somehow stepping into our full experience, right? Not, not pushing anything away, uh, getting, getting to that depth of our own, our own real acceptance and love and joy and, you know, and the messiness and difficulty and pains of life all, mm-hmm. all, all, all right there. Well, we're all humans in training, aren't we? I mean, that's the thing about it is that once we realize that all of us, we're all humans attempting to get along on this world and to make a difference and to contribute and to be accepted, et cetera, then I think we can move forward. You also talked about uh, you uh, about failure and how to fail and make mistakes. And I've always had this quote because I'm a big gardener and nature girl is uh, I call it failure is fertilizer. And every time I make a mistake or fail, I get more more excited because I can just grow a new garden. I throw it on the compost pile. <laughs> so, you know, when you wrote about uh, throwing your hands up in the air and say, I failed, it's so freeing to say, I failed, instead of making excuses. I loved that. I just thought that was really wonderful. If you're just joining us right now, we are talking to Mark Lesser. He is the author of Lessons from Google and the Zen Monastery Kitchen, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. His website is marklesser.net, and Mark is spelled with a C. Well, Mark, let's let's talk about these uh, practices. They're all very important, but one of the things that you discuss in your book, and I'm a huge proponent of it, is uh, to really begin a practice of mindfulness is um, possibly putting together some time every day, and you can start with just one breath, but to do a meditation, and I have found in my own life how helpful this is because we all have lives that are filled and with all kinds of challenges and by breathing and doing any kind of meditation that grounds you and centers you to me just gets you off on the right foot and helps you look at life we kind of with the the eye of these seven practices could you speak to the importance of breath and to the importance of of developing a practice of meditation and whatever that means to you, whether it's group or by yourself or virtual or. Yeah. I mean, even tying it to what we were just saying, you know, that, uh, you know, I think, you know, not, not only are we all uh, humans in training, but, but being human is a tough gig. It really, Mm -hmm. it really is, you know, we, we shouldn't underestimate how hard it is being, being uh, in real relationships uh, being in relationships and needing to make a living, having to contend with change and stress and technology and all those things. So to me, there's something about having a time every day when we can step out of that and just express our own completeness, our own acceptance. And and sometimes that might mean you know processing the difficulties and stresses and pains, but sometimes it's just letting just practicing and cultivating this ability to let it all go 
mm-hmm. to just let it all go. Let it go. Yeah. And be Those able- are three good words. Let it go. It is. Those are three good words. Let mm-hmm. it go. Just let, let it, go. it go. Yeah. Uh, and again, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we ignore difficulties and pain, but it gives us it gives us a different approach to the difficulties and pain in all of our relationships and all parts of our life to to not be quite so fooled by them and tossed around by them and so caught by our own stories about about things. Well, and we take ourselves so seriously. And, you know, there's that wonderful word, busy. We're all so, quote, unquote, busy. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about that, uh, don't be busy, be focused, engaged, and mm-hmm. spacious. Mm-hmm. And my favorite word in there was spacious. Yeah. You know, I love that. I mean, I've always felt um, that the importance of the focus and the engagement. and getting, but, I, but when you said spacious, all of a sudden that opened something up for me as if, you know what? We have all the time in the world for what we want to make time in the world for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and I, I want to tie the, those three words, you know, focused, engaged, and spacious to the practice of meditation. That, yes. That, that, these, that these are actually skills or capacities or practices and that we need, you know, and we need to in order to be able to work with those in, you know, in, in the, the, the throes of our life, we need to be able to cultivate those, you know, being able to practice with being focused, being more and more uh, engaged and spaciousness as a practice. Well, and also, you know, I, I want to go back to practice and number one of love the work to acknowledge and cultivate aspiration and really love what you do and, and, and your contribution to the world. Because, you know, I have found with all the people I've ever worked with is when you really love something, you excel at it and you put more, t- you know, time kind of floats away and that, that redundant quote, but it's so true that when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And of course you're working, but at the same time, you're enjoying it so much. And isn't that what what is so great about at least starting with a meditation, breathing in the good, exhaling the bad, you know, letting it all out, and then just knowing that we are empowered and that we have choices mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, and, and partly what, you know, where I'm kind of going with this first practice of love the work, it's to love the work of building one's self-awareness mm-hmm. of going deeper of helping others and and even when it's not you know even when it's boring even when it's not even when it's not so easy but to, to me if we can you know no matter what no matter what activity no matter what work we're doing there's always that that element of of developing ourselves mm-hmm We're talking with Mark Lesser. He's the author of Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, and he is a a CEO, a Zen teacher, and he offers trainings uh, worldwide. Did you find it very interesting when you were first asked to work with Google engineers? Because there's something about the word engineer and mindfulness that just seems like a disconnect. So I, I, to me, it seemed like the perfect combination of what we all need. <laughs> well, I have to say I was terrified at first. <laughs> terrified, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
Because they're so analytical of it being so different, right? Well, the good, you know, I think it, especially at first, um, I was often uh, co-teaching with either an engineer or a scientist. Mm. And, and I learned a lot. I, 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 you know, that was not that, you know, I was more, you know, I was more of a psychology major. And yeah, I, I, I did a lot in the business world. And, and that helped me that that helped me get comfortable uh, being being in that situation. But um, well, you had a very successful publishing company. I did. I ran a yeah. I, I ran a publishing company for 15 years. Uh, right. yeah, so that so yeah, I felt I felt some you know that that helped me. But often you know my um, my meditation teacher friends and mindfulness teacher friends often would you know ask me about you know what is it like teaching there, and I said just imagine you know standing in front of 40 really smart engineers who all who are all you know I, I felt really well tested, and I learned I learned a lot. I learned so much. And, and I had to learn a lot, of, particularly about the science of mindfulness and the science of meditation and to be able to present that. And that, I think, at the time, that was hugely important. They realized this, this, was, this was actually rooted in some, in science. In some pre- pretty good data and pretty good mm-hmm. science. Mm-hmm. And this is what people need to know. Well, it's been such a, a, an honor to speak with you, and I know that your work will be continuing. I want to give your website out again. It's marklesser.net, M-A-R-C-L-E-S-S-E-R. And again, the name of the book that is just brand new, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, and you will find so much information, you know, in this. It's, and, you know, when you said you, um, you co-founded Search Inside Yourself Leadership, it just reminded me, I mean, we're be the star you are. And it's what we're saying is the same thing. It's fine. You know, everyone has a star inside of them. And we just want to make it sparkle and shine. So um, I, do you want to leave us with a last thought or um, say something else about your book or or the practices that you're doing now? Oh, I think I, you know, I, I want to just encourage, uh, encourage us all to, um, you know, experience to experience the full experience of being being alive and and noticing that we are, uh, we're all Zen students in that we're all uh, all have to contend with birth and life and death, and we're all business people in that we all need to live in the world of practicality. And um, love, love the integration of those two. What looks like those two worlds are really one world. Yeah, that's a really good comment and a, and a very good practice in itself is that we need to meld all these worlds together because that is the world that we live in. Yeah. Well, Mark Lesser, thank you so much. I want to remind our audience that you'll be able to hear another interview by Mark Lesser on our uh, young adult show, Express Yourself, coming up on Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific. So uh, make sure that you're tuned in to uh, Star Style, Be the Star You Are on Wednesdays and Express Yourself on Sundays. Mark, thank you so much for joining me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. May you continue your wonderful work in the world. We're, we're so thrilled that you wrote this book and that you're doing what you're doing because you are practicing those seven, uh, the seven practices and giving us a good example of how to live them. And there's never a, it's never easy, but 
but we 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 muddle through it, and that's the beauty of it. And and thank you, and thank you for doing the good work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Mark. Visit marklesser.net. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. Come back and play with us in just a minute after this break, and we are going to be tire- talking about retiring by fire. Be the star you are. The star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Change is everywhere, and while it may seem impossible to accelerate your change initiatives with all that's already going on around you, I want to help lead change more readily and literally accelerate your success. Have an elastic mind. People are motivated by a clear why. The reason a change will make a difference to them and their lives. This requires leaders to communicate a desirable vision of the future. People need to see and focus on the desired big picture. However, if you own live in that future, you don't make any progress. So progress is further hampered when people love the picture of the future but don't know how to get there. And here's where our minds must become elastic. We must think about the future while thinking about the steps we're going to take today. Think big picture future, but what will I do today at the same time? And as you develop an elastic mind that can think about both now and the future, you're going to accelerate your speed of change. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan and Bryan with an I. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is well, thank you so much for staying with us. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was just way too short with Mark. Make sure to pick up a copy of his book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, because it is so helpful. I'll just re- um, reiterate the seven practices. Love the work. Do the work. Don't be an expert. Connect to your pain. Connect to the pain of others. Depend on others. And make it simpler. And 
it might sound like they're hard practices, but it's easy. So I told you I was going to talk about fire. There is an exploding community of people who are literally hacking their finances through frugal living. They're through saving and investing to retire decades earlier than the U.S. average age of retirement, which actually has come down to 61 now, although most people think it's 65 uh, Average is 61, and it's called FIRE, and FIRE stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. Now, the retire part is really a loose term because most people, they still have side gigs, uh, even if they think they've retired from their main job. But the idea is that FIRE gives you the financial freedom to pursue passion projects, you know, getting to that work you love, and kick the traditional 9 to 5 to the curb. So previous generations were taught that you work for one company for 30 years. You know, after that, you get the gold watch, that that company will take care of you. You'll get a pension. But, you know, most of that has gone by the wayside now. And um, the new generations, they're like, gosh, we got to learn how to do something differently. And that probably means taking a radically different approach to money. So here's how FIRE followers are doing it. And again, remember, FIRE is standing for Financial Independence Retire Early. So many people on the FIRE path figure out how to live in one room for almost nothing, and then they save 80 90% of their income because they see the goal that they want and they know how to get there. And uh, there is an author, Vicki Robin, who learned to consume less in a shared economy community back in the 1970s, but maybe, you know, a bit like the Zen monastery. And she wrote a book called Your Money or Your Life, Nine Steps to Transforming Your Relationship with Money and Achieving Financial Independence. And that particular book has become the Bible for FIRE followers. Now, um, what what um, a lot of people are doing is they're keeping their housing expenses really low, even if they're living in high rent places like, you know, San Francisco or New York or Chicago or Boston or whatever. And what they might be sharing, doing, you know, there's a lot of places that are doing these shared rooms now or these shared spaces, co-op places, or they'll rent a bedroom somewhere. And They'll make their three meals a day. They don't go out. They don't go and buy the Starbucks coffee or a latte. And they try to keep things as inexpensive as possible. Maybe they're not traveling. They're probably not going out on, you know, on um, going out with friends at nighttime. But the whole idea is that you want to be able to save money. And it's not about depriving yourself if you're depriving yourself and you're feeling unhappy then that's not a good thing but but what you're trying to do is have a goal of how much money you want to save so what people that are on this fire practice are doing they're getting a second or a third income it's a side hustle and that is the key to fire devotees you got to bring in some extra income on top of a full-time job, and that allows these FIRE followers to sock away money faster and to invest money. So if um, someone was making 30000 a year, let's say, at a government job, and then, you know, lived in a one-bedroom uh, place sharing it with a friend, so maybe you could save a, a few thousand dollars after a few years. But the thing uh, that some people are doing, and a lot of actually a lot of fire people are doing, 
they're moving to lower cost of living areas in order to make their money go further. They're working full time. They're picking up an extra 20 hours a week at side jobs. And then some of them have gotten into real estate where they're going, they're actually moving to towns where the real estate is inexpensive, but it's growing. And then they're buying houses and renting out rooms. Now, you know, it is a common second income for fire followers. However, you have to be careful about rental property because that is going to keep you from traveling the world on a rim. And it could be risky if you don't have any property management experiences. So you don't want to just dive in there without it. But that is one of the ways. Now, they, people need to stay focused on whatever your number is. So what fire folks base their spending and saving rules on their number or it's the amount of money that they feel comfortable living on after leaving their jobs. And what the average is, is they say to take your yearly expenses, not your income, your expenses, and you multiply that by 25. And that's just a generality, but fire followers agree that that's what they need to retire. So whatever that yearly expensive is. Then after that, what fire enthusiasts call the 4% rule. And this is something that if you've read about retirement at all, this has been kind of a long business thing for quite a while. Of You only you take out of your uh, bank account or your investment account 4% every year. So whatever your savings or investments, you withdraw 4% a year, adjusting for inflation to live on. And when your 4% amount covers your expenses, you know, then you can just walk away. So whatever that number is, you're going to have to figure that out on your your own. Nobody can really tell you. But again, it's 25, 25 times your expenses. Now, many fire enthusiasts also turn to um, low-fee index funds, which don't have high fees of an actively managed fund. And um, and. Also, remember, it's time in the market, not timing the market. (laughs) That adds up. So you really have to, again, you have to really study some finances to know what you're going to do. But if you can be frugal, if you can follow a frugal lifestyle of FIRE, it, um, it still may not be right for you. So there's a lot of critics that warn that FIRE has been mostly accessible to more well-off men and that gender and racial diversity may have some disparities and it may make it harder for others to achieve. So don't just jump into this before you look at the risks. There's a lot of risk to leaving the workforce too early. And some of these fire people that I was investigating, you know, they decided to retire at 48 or 49. I mean, it certainly wasn't me. I'm going to I really enjoy what I'm doing, so I'm going to do it till I drop, I think. But um, some of the things that you have to think about is what about your Social Security benefits? They're going to be stented. Who's going to pay your health insurance? Um, A lot of people just end up going back to their jobs or becoming consultants for the company. And a lot of them go back, not because they need the money, but because they really need that mental challenge. I mean, if you retire too early and you don't have something else, what is going to keep you going and keep you involved and and how are you going to collaborate and communicate and enjoy life? So we have to stress the importance of figuring out why you want to retire, just like when you do get into your 60s and thinking about retirement. Why do you want to retire and why financial independence is so important to that goal? 
And is it that you can get a job at, you know, a nonprofit? Do you just want to do volunteer work? Do you want to travel the world to make a difference? You know, what what is your motivation? And then that will help you. So you don't have to be a real uh, convert to fire, but it is something to think about. Now, one thing that uh, one of the people brought up that I thought was interesting, and I want to leave you with this, is that women really need to be financially independent. So a lot of women have carry some shame when it comes to talking about money, but fire is a form of feminism in a way. So money doesn't buy happiness, and we use it as a catch-all as to why we don't need it, but money is absolutely connected to a quality of life. So no matter whether you're you know, a, a man or a woman, we all need to have money to live, but we can be mindful and have money. So remember that. Well, thank you so much for being great listeners and being with me here every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and our show is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan. You can find out more about me at CynthiaBryan.com. If you'd like a coaching session, you can um, contact me at my email at CynthiaBryan.com. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this show, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. Our aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. We want you to see beyond your physical being, know you're already the star that you dreamed of becoming, and read a book this week, and I really recommend Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader by Mark Lesser. It is like a garden in your pocket. And until we celebrate once again next week, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.